Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray together. O Holy Spirit, move among us, within us, and around us, that your kingdom might come and your will be done according to your living word this day. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Hear these words. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Pick twelve men from the people, one man per tribe. Command them, pick up twelve stones from here, right here in the middle of the Jordan, where the feet of the priests had been firmly planted. Bring them across with you and put them down in the camp where you are staying tonight. Joshua called for the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one man per tribe. Joshua said to them, Cross over into the middle of the Jordan, up to the Lord your God's chest. Each of you lift up a stone on his shoulder to match the number of the tribes of the Israelites. This will be a symbol among you. In the future, your children may ask, what do these stones mean to you? Then you will tell them that the water of the Jordan was cut off before the Lord's covenant chest. When it crossed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan was cut off. These stones will be an endearing memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did exactly what Joshua ordered. They lifted 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, matching the number of the tribes of the Israelites, exactly as the Lord had said to Joshua. They brought them over to the camp and put them down there. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the feet of the priests had stood while carrying the covenant chest. They are still there today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today we're talking about ways to remember. Uh, memory is an important part of both scripture uh, and of our faith. And so, um, uh, this is the uh, obligatory joke before preaching. Um, so there was a, a group of uh, guys who played golf for easily 20 years. They were retired. Um, their names were Bill, Tom, and Fred. Now, used to be a foursome. Harry used to uh, golf with them, but Harry had died. And the three uh, were very sad. They missed his company. Um, but more than just missing his company, they missed the fact that Harry, out of the four of them, had the best eyesight. Um, and so Harry would always, um, uh, uh, um, he would always hit last. They'd be in the tee boxes, uh, everybody'd drive. Um, and Harry was the one who could see well enough that he could tell them where their, their, their lie was. Um, and y'all are not feeling this, I can tell. Um, and so, so after one horrible round of 18 holes where they spent more time looking for uh, their shot than actually playing golf, they decided to go to the club pro and say, can you help us find a fourth for our group of three? And the club pro said, sure. And he says, you know, we, we need a fourth. And the only requirement is that he be able to see because none of us are able to see enough to follow our tee shots. That's all. He just has to be able to see. And so the club pro said, great. I got a great idea for you. His name's George. Um, you can meet George tomorrow in the morning at an 8 a.m. tea time, and he'll go with you. He loves, uh, loves to play golf. Um, he'll, he'll just be delighted. 
And so sure enough, they all uh, got to the tee box. They all shot. Um, they uh, turned to George uh, to see if he was watching to see where the balls had gone. They all got into their golf carts. They drove out to where Bill usually his lie is. And, and the, the three of them look over at George and say, all right, George, um, where's my ball? And George says, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was... <laughs> Yeah, I had another joke, but my daughter vetoed that one as well. So there you go. Right. I, I want to ask um, that we do something that I think will make sense. I want to invite you to stand. Um, and I've got um, Glenda's going to uh, help. Uh, we're going to sing together America the Beautiful. Would you please stand for me while we sing just the first verse? to? What came up in your mind? What, what came up in your memories as you sang that song? I, I'm a firm believer that worship happens not just when we're holding a hymnal inside the church, but it happens anytime we're struck with awe or wonder. I, I've had those moments when I've seen a sunrise or a sunset, and it is stirred up within me um, an appreciation for God's beauty and handiwork. I've had often that moment when you go to visit the, uh, the, the, the young couple who's just had a baby in the hospital and you, you, um, you hold that little newborn and you just have this sense of wonder. I wonder for you, what is pulled up for you as we sing America the Beautiful or um, uh, uh, God Bless America or um, when you're watching the uh, fireworks um, over uh, that Lake Jackson will do over towards uh, Walmart of all things, right? I mean, what, what pulls up for you in terms of that sense of wonder or that sense of um, memory um, I think for some of us, we probably think about watermelon and hot dogs and, and those fireworks. Um, I, I wonder if also for some of us, we think about um, the voting booth. You know, is that something that connects for us when we're singing patriotic songs? Uh, or maybe more so, um, you're like me, I think about uh, my father and my grandfather, um, their uh, roles uh, in World War II and in Vietnam. I wonder if for some of us, we think about our actual military service, whether it was in Korea or Vietnam um, or in Iraq. I wonder, or Afghanistan, I wonder what gets pulled up for you. There's, there's something interesting, right? Um, we talk about America the Beautiful as being somewhat of a hymn, right? But, but it's really a hymn about America. 
um, that there, there is that civil religion, right, if you will, those things that we do that, that remind us of our uh, citizenship, of our nationality, of kind of the place where we live and work um, and the benefits that come from that. I also think um, that there are some places where we are uh, very rev- reverend, uh, reverent. Um, you know, if you've gone to the uh, Vietnam War Memorial or to the World War II War Memorial, that being in that place, Arlington Cemetery, being in those places, they, they pull up for us a different experience. We feel somber. We feel um, a sense of connection to the type of sacrifices that have come before. Uh, I like to say that those places are holy, but I spell the word a little bit different. Um, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Because sometimes in those places and spaces, we feel wholly different or wholly present to what had happened in those places. Remembering is important remembering and telling stories of how we came to be where we are, how we came to be the beneficiary of what's around us is an important part of who we are. Our story today from scripture is a story about memory, a story about questions and how we should be sure to answer those questions. Our scripture passage today, if it were a TV miniseries, this would be the season opener for maybe the third season of the, you know, days of our lives of the Israelites, right? Um, It would have started with the birth of Moses and uh, growing up in the Pharaoh's house. It would be uh, an interesting story as he comes to learn of his call and probably the season finale would be he him standing at the foot of the burning bush hearing about the call season two would open with him um, uh, all the plagues and it would probably end with him leading the israelites out of egypt uh, walking across dry land in the middle of the red sea with towers of water on either side while the world's strongest military the egyptian army follows in chariots and as, they, as the Israelites walk out on dry land on the other side, and God's hand allows for the water to sweep over the Egyptian army, and they are wiped out. I think the phrase that we learned in youth group singing um, some hilarious song was that all of Pharaoh's men did the dead, did the dead men's float, right? Okay, it didn't work at the 830 service either. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, what an interesting story. That whole um, season would be filled with um, uh, amazing things. Uh, The Israelites being uh, led by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. Uh, There would be powerful moments where the people of Israel are thirsty and uh, Moses hits the rock with his staff and water flows from it. There would be those moments of hunger where uh, the Israelites would wake up in the morning to manna from heaven like dew on the ground, and they would gather it up and they would have enough for that day's uh, meal. This uh, season would seem long and wandering, right? Uh, 40 years there in the desert. Lots of questions about why wandering for 40 years, especially if, uh, if God's driving, right? Why, why didn't he ask for directions? Or was there a plan happening? And I think probably that season ends with Moses having looked over um, the ridge and seen the promised land on the other side of the Jordan. And then he goes back to his tent and he's laying in his deathbed and he names a new leader. But before he names the leader, 
it's the season finale, right? Um, and then after that cliffhanger, you'd uh, kind of wake up to season uh, three, which would be, um, season three would be Joshua standing in front of the Jordan, probably saying, choose this day who you will serve, right? As the Israelites walk across the Jordan, uh, Joshua phrases it as this choice moment, this moment where you have to leave behind everything from before and walk out into the promised land, the land of milk and honey with only the Lord to support you. Now, our passage then would come, probably episode two, um, in that season, uh, it would be Joshua having watched the Ark of the Covenant being carried across the Jordan River, that the water flow of the Jordan would stop and be built up behind the Ark, and there Joshua would say, grab 12 large stones and stack them on the side of the Jordan so that they might be Um, a memory maker, a memorial for you. Uh, And he tells them, uh, when you stack these stones up and your children ask later, what do these stones mean to you? Answer the question so that they will know the story of how, uh, how God delivered you out of slavery in Egypt, how he provided for you throughout the wilderness, and how you arrived over the Jordan into the promised land. Tell those stories. This is powerful stuff. These stones are important. And throughout scripture, stones, especially in the Old Testament, become this kind of memorial or memory maker. Um, You have Jacob in Genesis when he wrestles with God, that kind of stranger in the night. Um, And uh, he is pinned and his hip is wounded and he is given a new name. What does Jacob do? He builds there a tower of stones. Later on, 20 years later, um, Jacob will be running from his uncle Laban, and uh, they will meet together at a similar site and agree to put together a tower of stones. Um, It is the moment when they agree not to kill each other, which that could be a wonderful thing, right? Um, And it was less about a set of stones that would keep them from killing each other, but more of a reminder that the covenant they made was in the presence of God and that these stones reminded them that if either one of them broke the covenant, that God would get you. Um, That's the only place technically that God will get you in the Bible. Just kidding, don't all laugh at once. Um, And so uh, there are other places where stones are used as a memorial. Samuel uh, uses stones to uh, make a memorial, the prophet Samuel, uh, about how good God is. And this is that place where we get in uh, the hymnal uh, where it says, I raise my Ebenezer. That's where that story comes from. Ebenezer is that place where you mark the goodness of God or where God has been good to you. I wonder for you, When we sing America the Beautiful, or when you see Fourth of July fireworks, or any of those other memorials uh, to freedom and speech and liberty, what are they for you? What calls up within you those moments? I think uh, it's not just about historical sites and about songs that we sing, but I also think when we talk about our faith, When we talk about our faith, what are the things that remind us of our own faith? How we have been saved, made free, uh, given liberty, if you will. I know for me, um, the series of places and spaces where I would mark as a memory, where I'd want grace to say, what do those things mean to you? 
Uh, it would have to do with um, a simple washer that I wore on a chain for easily five years of being a teenager. Uh, my mentor, youth counselor in uh, the Woodlands United Methodist Church, Dr. J Bob Jones, you've heard me talk about him before. Um, he used to work at Kennedy Space Center uh, during the Apollo launches, and it was a washer that came from one of the kits of the um, Apollo uh, assembly. And so uh, it looked like just a cheesy washer to my friends, but I knew that that washer had history, it had meaning, and in some ways it had a projection for me as well about where I thought God was sending me. I was a Star Wars kid, a, a Star Trek kid. Uh, I was a kid that grew up uh, for the first 10 years of his life within miles of Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Um, in fact, when the shuttle would launch uh, at Kennedy Space Center, you could watch it on the screen. And of course, beforehand, you could feel the ground tremble. The china in my mother's china cabinet would rattle. You could see the shuttle clear the tower on the TV, and you'd walk outside and you could see it clear the trees as it rolled over and headed off over the Atlantic. When you talk about important pieces of who I am, that whole space conversation was summed up for me in that tiny washer that I wore around my neck. When you think about other ways and spaces where um, you are reminded who you are, can you think of those? Are they coming to mind, that those important parts that make up who you are? I know for me, an important uh, holy place is Lakeview Methodist Conference Center in Palestine, Texas. Um, Lakeview is a place where we go for summer camp and retreats. Let's see, in eighth grade, I found Jesus. In the 10th grade, I found my call to ministry. And in college, at a college retreat, <laughs> I kissed Amy for the first time. Um, so when Matt Idom, the executive director of Lakeview, calls me and says, I need, I just start writing a check. Because most every good thing that happened in my life started at Lakeview. And so probably I owe everything, whatever he asks, I should sign it on over. You know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I, I am better because of what those things have happened at Lakeview. And of course, you know, again, I remind you that um, I married up. I don't know what Amy was thinking, but hey, it was a good deal. What are those spaces and places that remind you who you are? I think what's interesting about faith, and you can find inside the bulletin um, a place that's called text to read, questions to ponder, and things to do. Um, in that, in the questions area, you'll find me asking a question about how do you think about your identity? Are you a Christian first and then an American? Are you an American first and then a Christian? Or um, is there somewhat of an intertwining of those identities together? Um, I, I want to confess that for me today, in this moment, it is an intertwining, that it's all kind of jumbled together. I know there should be some uh, places where it's pulled apart. I, I know that to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord is to say that, um, you know, America is not. But I have to say that uh, so much about being an American has given me that privilege and opportunity for freedom of speech and freedom of religion that sometimes for me it gets intertwined. And I know that it shouldn't be, but it is. You have these moments where uh, you struggle between the holy, H-O-L-Y, and the holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Those places and spaces where um, you know that uh, the kind of freedom that the flag brings and the kind of freedom that the cross brings are two completely different kinds of freedom. 
that the flag gives us freedom for choosing our uh, leaders. The flag, the flag choose, uh, allows us to choose about laws and these types of things. But, but the flag's creation of freedom should not be diminished or, or should not diminish the freedom that the cross brings. I always find it interesting that in the midst of the Passover meal, that meal that celebrates the deliverance of the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea and out of slavery, where they talk about in the Seder meal that, um, that they were freed from Pharaoh to become slaves of God. That as we talk about Paul's statements about um, becoming a new creation in Christ, that, they, uh, that Paul says we were uh, broken out of the bondage to sin and made slaves to Christ. It is a different kind of freedom when we talk about the freedom that the cross brings. I wonder for you, what are those places and spaces? What are the stone memorials that you've created? What are the things that you long for your children and grandchildren to ask you? What do these things mean to you? And are you like me at this point in life, where it seems as if it's intertwined together? That you know that there's something separate uh, you know, about being a Christian from being an American, and you know that there's something separate about being an American from being a Christian, but today it just seems intertwined together. I have to say that there have been a couple of times and places where uh, I have responded uh, to this idea that my identity as a Christian should supersede everything else. Uh, there was a simple statement on one of my seminary professor's doors that said, a simple proposal for peace, that Christians anywhere vow never to go to war with Christians anywhere. What is it like for us to think about uh, not just the freedom that we receive here in the States, but a recognition that there are Coptic Christians in Egypt that are being persecuted right now. That there are Christians in Iraq that are terrified for their existence because of the role of ISIS and terrorists. I think um, as we untangle this twisted up piece, and neither one of the strands of thread that have tangled together, they're not bad. I mean, there's really something beautiful in each of them. Uh, but being able to untangle them and to be able to see and hear and understand where we get um, our freedom of choice from one place, but we get our freedom to follow Jesus as Lord from another place. This morning we began with a Deuteronomy passage um, that's often referred to as uh, the requirements of a nation. Um, Josh read from them uh, out of Deuteronomy. And I think this is a powerful thing. And I want to be clear here, I'm not seeking to be political. I'm just reading the Bible. But when we read the Bible, what an interesting moment it provides for us uh, to think about uh, our freedom and about our liberty and the important requirements of it. In verse 17, um, uh, Deuteronomy says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribes, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. You shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To him you shall hold fast, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, 
who has done for you these great and awesome things that your own eyes have seen. That's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff to think about. Um, be kind to the stranger. Care for the widow and the orphan. Um, I was uh, taught by a professor that said that uh, red, white, and blue are uh, certainly liturgical colors of the church, but we rarely ever sew them together. Red is Pentecost, white is Easter, uh, and blue is Mary's color. I wonder if you've had a similar experience as I had, that those, those uh, strands of who we are, of how we've become who we are, are intertwined. And I wonder, that is a good thing at times, but I also think it's a challenging thing. I often wonder why God had the Israelites wander in the desert for 40 years. Some, uh, uh, some interpreters say that it was because there was a whole generation that had learned life by being a slave, and that it was helpful for that generation uh, to live uh, and then to die and then to be carried on with Joshua and the children as they learned no longer to be slaves, but to be free again. I encourage you this 4th of July um, to eat the watermelon, to enjoy the hot dogs, to shoot the fireworks off and have all 10, your, 10 of your fingers left over. But also think about what are these things, these stones, this washer, this flag, this place called Lakeview, or this place called Lake Jackson? How has it made you who you are? And how might you ask, answer the question, what do these things mean to you? As together we seek to be holy gods and also thankful for the nation that we are a part of. All this we ask in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.